Welcome to the first episode of 2024 of the Unpublished Podcast. My name is Amy. I'm James. I forgot you said that we have to veto those big That's intros. fine. We can do it just like that. That's totally fine. Okay. I just want to note for everyone that we are trialing our road mics. And I mean that in the R-O-A-D sense and the R-O-D-E sense. So we've yes. portable mics so that when we travel, because we're doing a bit of traveling this year, that we can still do the podcast without having to transport the big the so if the sound is a little bit off or different please give us feedback we are just trying these mics for the first time haven't got all of our settings 100 i've tried my hardest james has really given it his all obviously and i feel like they're not going to be as good as the other mics but just bear with us please yeah um, hopefully it's okay today we're going to do a q a episode to start off the year uh we've had Honestly, we've had a really big end of year and a big start of the year. We've been doing lots and lots of writing, so we haven't been totally on the ball with the podcast, but we thought a nice Q&A could be a good way to kick things off. Yeah, a nice uh, easy way for us to get back into it. Yeah. Um, okay, there's a lot of questions. I asked for questions on my Instagram, so I'm just going to kind of toddle on through them. But thank you for everyone for submitting. Um, the first one is, how does the changing of your living, like country, etc., um, affect your creativity? It's been really good for me. Um, I don't know if it's just the time in my creative career where I have sort of just leveled up a little bit. And as I've said earlier in the podcast, I have upped my work count quite a bit and it's been totally fine on my energy and it's been good. I think there's something to do with not having as many obligations, but there just aren't as many people asking to see me. So if I write at 3 p.m., I'm not, I'm not going, oh, but I have to go and, you know, have dinner with my mom at six o'clock or sorry, mom, if you're listening, I do love having dinner with you. <laughs> it's just like, I don't have, you know, friends to see, um, other things in my day it's just a much freer schedule so it just seems like I have more time to write what do you think Amo? Uh, yeah I mean it's been amazing to watch James's like creativity flourish over here I've secretly loved it like James is just a little social butterfly and if anyone asks him to do anything when we were working from home uh in Sydney he would be straight out the door and whereas I was always saying no to people, like I'm just not a social, so I always would prefer to create than to socialize. So it was no, no, no. And I would always let be left at home. But here I get the company of James. Yeah, for me, if I don't have an excuse to say no to something social, even if I don't want to do it, I'm I'm just going to say yes. And it's, it's something it's I should work on. It's one of your worst on. qualities. Um, I do usually enjoy it. Like I look forward to it and I want to do it, but it really exhausts me. And then I find I have less time to do my writing. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Just not having that opportunity has been quite good for me. Now, in terms of actually being in England, as I've complained about multiple times, I don't have my coffee shop. Very sad. Yeah. Um, and coffee over here is both worse, as you know, and more expensive. And I'm not going to keep complaining about this for like the fifth episode you in a do, row. You do kind of bring it up a lot. I have not been going to coffee shops, right? And that has been fine. I don't mind. Um, yeah, I mean, I have, for me, it's been beautiful. Like, we've gotten so much more space here. When we were in Sydney, we were in like a two room uh, apartment, and here we have this little cottage, and I have my own study space, and so does James. So we're not on top of each other all the time. And we've had incredible creative projects to work on. The vibes are just correct. Like, you know, they, the vibes are not correct, but they're great. <laughs> There's no such thing as correct vibes. But it's just been so aligned. Like I write historical fiction that's often based in this country. Like I'm down the road from where Maud, my last character, lived. You know, it just feels right. It's cool. It's cool running past Sherburne Castle. Yeah, exactly. Every day, pretty yeah. much. Well, I don't run every day, but when I do run, every day I run. I run 
near Past to Sherbourne, yeah. Castle, which, which is where... Yeah, if you've read Regrettably, I'm about to cause trouble, Sherbourne is where Maud grew up. So it's very cool. It's very cool. Um, and I also, I think the vibes of being able to go for a really lovely country walk every day is so inspiring to me. And of course, Australia has lovely walks. Mm. I just, for some reason, wasn't taking advantage of that when I was there. No, England, England's just got like a walking culture. They've got eight. so many walks available to you. Like they carve it out, like they have the right of way, like you have to be allowed on people's farms. So cool. And I think that the other thing is that as I was saying before, because I feel like there's a slower pace of life out here in the countryside, there are less demands on my time. I can yes. go for a walk. and doesn't feel like it's impeding on other things. Yes. We're also moved into a village that is incredibly creative. And there is something so beautiful about being in a village full of, full, filled with artists. Like this is an incredibly beautiful space. And we didn't know that when we moved here. But it, you can just feel it. Like it is just alive with the arts. And I'm so grateful for that. Cool. Uh, I think also in terms of like business stuff, it's been interesting being in the UK. Like, um, I mean, we're slightly closer to the US. We were trying to decide whether it was worth it. Like we're going to have to go to the US a few times this year and I had to go last year. Uh, it is New York's definitely closer, but I haven't had to go to New York. Yeah, I think traveling to LA from the UK or Australia, it's much of a muchness. It doesn't matter. But the Pacific Ocean is huge. And I don't know what that is, but the time zones just seem way better. I don't know if it's because Australia was... A little bit too far ahead of the US. Yeah. Or behind? We were ahead 18 hours. It's very hard for Australians and the US to talk. So it's just nice having, you know, most of you guys are American. We're so appreciative of you. You are 60 plus percent of our audience. And it's just more convenient for us to be more in your time zone. If that's offering classes, if that's posting on Instagram, if that's interacting with people. I feel closer to the US. It's just better. Yeah. Yeah, Really, really great. Um, Amazing. Um, how do you view your writing space at home? A relaxed sanctuary or an austere office or other? Yours is chaos. I mean, we're in it right now. I'm sorry to say it, but James sat down, immediately got overstimulated. And like, I thought he was just going to give up and leave. Because I was trying to get the mics to work and we were having some trouble. Took me about 20 minutes to set them up. Um, I still, I'm obviously not very happy with the setup. And Amy's got her three monitors out. The whole desk is just completely covered in crap. Excuse me. The desk is covered in coffee cups, incense, cards, a book, you know, a letter. It's, it is covered in lovely Amy stuff, but I just, I had about two centimet- square centimetres of space to put my elbow on, and I just was like, I, I am immediately freaked out by this. Yeah, so I, I, do, I, I like cluttered space, whereas James is much more simple. I am simple. I, I, my desk, not that my room is extremely clean I would say I'm a medium medium I'm not dirty I'm not clean in my space like I let things pile up a bit but then they get to a point and I will clean it out after a few days and before I write I like to do a little tidy but I'm not one of these people who likes to use tidy space as an excuse not to write though like I would just my alarm goes off I have an alarm it goes off here in the winter it's 8 30 because I'm not fucking getting up before 7 45 because the sun isn't up till 8 so I'm getting up at 8 and then my alarm's going off at 8 30 which is a bit later than I was writing in Australia or in summer here and at 8.30, I'm just going. So, like, if I know 8.30 is approaching, then I might tidy a little bit, but I'm not wasting time past 8.30 What the 8:30 fuck are you tidying. doing before then? I go and sit, I go up to the attic and I look out the little window. You get your son. Get my son, listen to a podcast, maybe some That's soothing cute. music. That's cute. You, like, kind of soothe yourself into make, it. Make a, I make our coffee. Excuse me very much. Excuse me very much. That's not actually a phrase, is it? No. Excuse me very much. I make our coffee. 
I know, it's just I'm always down here journaling and I assume you're writing, but not until 8.30. Yeah, 8.30. My alarm goes off at 8.30. That's really cute. And I think having that alarm has been really good for me because we don't have as many things on in the day, as I said. So like having us, uh, no, you have to start now. Otherwise you mm. can just keep pushing it back has been really nice for me. Beautiful. I love that. Um, mm. I know I've spoken to multiple people who tell me they unfollow me. Like I do think I trigger more people than... Um, I understand, like I think I would. Yeah. Someone the other day messaged me and said, yeah, I've unfollowed you multiple times. Yep. Um, I don't want to see that on my feed sometimes. I think the thing is, as you get bigger, as your account gets bigger, it's probably the same ratio that you used to lose before. It's just it seems bigger because the number is bigger. Yeah, like yeah. When you had 20,000 followers and you would lose a couple hundred, which is the same in ratio, it's like that didn't feel as weird, but 30,000 just seems like, well, 30,000 people walked out of the stadium or something. Yeah. And of course it's over the course of a few months. And as it's, you said, yeah, it's, it's bots, two, it's two it months, could I be think. anything. Like, uh, I, I think it's just a totally normal thing. Like most creators on Instagram are constantly losing followers. Yeah. Yeah. It is interesting. It's hard when you see like a number that raw, but again, I think a lot of it would have been bots. I haven't like, I haven't been canceled. Nothing, nothing was inflammatory. Nothing happened. So mm. it wasn't just, like, Something. It's just normal. It's like it's pretty consistent, right? It's like if you look every day. Yeah, like, so like one post is triggering it. It's like no, every day you're losing. Every day I'm losing hundreds of people. Yeah, and that's just normal. Yeah, it's just a process. And most other accounts you talk to of the same size, exactly the same thing is happening. Yeah, it's interesting. Hmm. Um, how do you deal with rejection or failure? I fell hard and I'm now struggling with self belief. Yeah, I mean, even at the. This never goes away. Never goes away. I think, you know, that 30,000 follower loss thing. Oh, I've had a really hard time on social media lately. Yeah. Like, I felt like I was going backwards and I've just felt like such a huge, like, I was going, like, stagnant and I felt I panicked and I was like, I'm losing everything. Like, I had these narratives, real scarcity narratives come in. Like, they, this is not something, we all feel that lack of self-belief at some time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, for me, it can be hard because I'm watching Amy and Amy is so successful and I'm haven't really done anything with my writing yet. You know, I've written four books. None of them have been published. I mean, two of them I haven't, I still in the drafting phase, but um, I, I, I'm not, I don't have very much to my name. So I often see Amy get these huge wins and sometimes I get annoyed at Amy because she's like, oh, you know, I only gained X followers this month or my following didn't increase as much as I wanted it to in this month. And I'm like, can you shut up? Well, honestly, it's a good call. You know, yeah. I do need that. Uh, I can get really, I'm very metric based and I think it's very reasonable for artists to be metric based because we are working in the most like ethereal, like weird world where you can't really judge anything. Like art is so subjective. And when you have like very clear metrics like book sales or, you know, numbers of Instagram followers, it's it's something you can feel like you want to grab onto and control. Yeah. And I think we've had, we've actually talked about this on the podcast before, but even say when we launch a product and our different products have different cadences. So mm. we launched our live masterclass um, for the start of 2024, which is I think going to be on the 13th. So it's, you'll have time to sign up for it. If you're only hearing this um, on, uh, it's not on the 13th, it's on the, what's happening? It's on the, the tw- it's on the 13th. Yeah. Oh, it's on the 13th. Okay, cool. So it's at the end of, ne- at the end of next week. So yeah. um, you'll still have time to, if this comes out on Monday or Tuesday, which I hope it does, you'll still have time to sign up for it. Yeah, but amazing. you know, signups are always slow at the beginning of the live classes like people yes. don't want to buy until the end so you always think maybe this is the one where everyone's everyone's going to stop buying from me maybe this is the one where i lost my audience no one cares about me anymore yeah and um, that's it i have to go back i'm gonna to have to go and train as a lawyer or an accountant yeah uh, it's over i think this is a narrative you've been having lately no li- lately like literally like two nights ago i was like oh my god what if i lose everything and i have to go back to a job in like an office mm. and it was very odd because i've literally never felt so successful but i think when you're in this 
when you're it's almost like I feel the most vulnerable I've ever felt because life feels so beautiful right now. Yeah. And it was, um, I really had to write my way out of it because it wasn't very healthy. I mean, I will say, to go back to the original question, something that I'm quite passionate about at the moment is trying to make myself get really comfortable with failure. And by that, I mean, like, it's the stoic practice of, you know, the obstacle is the way. It's, you know, looking at, oh, what has not gone well for me here? And what weakness does that reveal? That means that's somewhere I can really gain a lot. Yeah. I mean, I could go on and on about failure. It is like you are in such good company, beautiful person who wrote this message. Like the only thing that successful creatives have in common, the only thing we have in common is that we've all failed. Mm -hmm. And so like you're an incredible company and you need to understand that uh, getting up after you've failed is what will make you an unstoppable artist. Yeah, Everyone's been rejected. Like, you know, even when you hear about Joanne Rowling with her 12 public reje- pub- publisher that. rejections, that is nothing. Amy and I have both been rejected by hundreds of hundreds publishers and Hundreds and, agents. and hundreds and hundreds. Hundreds. And, you know, when we first started doing this Instagram thing and trying to make a living out of um, selling our courses and our books, we didn't get that many sales. No. Like, it didn't get, we, we spent more money than we made. You know, it's not something that anyone is immune to. No, not at all. Like, you know, I've had teachers write stupid on my manuscripts. I had a rejection letter that <laughs> that said that my book was unreadable. Yeah, shit. It's, the failure is, is such a big part of this. And I'm so sorry you're moving through this. And you're definitely allowed to grieve it and be sad. Like, don't feel like you have to protect yourself from the pain of it. But just know that you, you have to get back up and you have to keep creating because that's what you're here for. I think a, a sad thing about trying to learn from failure is, or a hard thing, not a sad thing, is that it can be very hard to know what the lesson is to draw from failure. And yeah. sometimes you just get unlucky. Like sometimes oh, that's it's so like, true. it's not your fault. Someone just didn't like you for no reason or mm. for an indefinable reason, or you weren't to their taste. And that's also completely fine. So it's like, maybe the lesson is just, Oh, I need to, I need to keep going. <laughs> that's the lesson. Yeah, yeah. I need to learn how to keep going. That's my weakness is I find it hard to keep going after failure. But if you can master that, then you become so strong. Yeah, unstoppable. Yeah, unstoppable. It's so good. It's and that's when you succeed. That's I'm very you. sorry if I keep coughing because I have had a chest infection for the last two weeks and like I was touch and go on recording this podcast. Only coughed once so far. You're doing a really good Can job. Can feel it coming again though. That's okay. You just <coughs> oh right now. Yeah, very phlegmy. Okay, um, do you want a hard question? Yeah, sure. Why doesn't James want to self-publish his books? Then he can keep his routine. Oh my god, it's such a good question. Oh, it's such a good question, and I think there's so much. You know what? You're right. Did I want this question? I don't know. I'm very grateful for the person who asked this question. Um, what I crave, I think, is companionship. I know that's not something that you necessarily get out of a publisher, but I want someone on my team. This is exactly what I said. Is it? Exactly yeah, what I used to I just... say. No, but I completely agree. It's, it's very lonely self-publishing. I want someone invested in my career. I mean, oh, oh my God, you just want someone who's like, yeah, no, I, I back you and let's go at this together. And it's not something I'm committed to. Like, I think I, I definitely am I'm not committed to traditional publishing at all. I think that self-publishing is the most exciting thing going on in the publishing industry at the moment. I think there's some 100%. fucking incredible authors out there doing amazing stuff. Actually, there's a YouTube video I really want to link below here um, talking to some really amazing self-published authors who have either gone on to be picked up by traditional gatekeepers or have continued to do their own self-publishing thing. And it's so inspiring. Amazing. It's, it's badass. I think it's so cool. I definitely think that I, I'm open to it one day. Um, I just don't feel the urgency right now the, to I feel publish there's, anything. there's no urgency. Yeah, because yeah. I'm so in love with my craft. I'm there's so a, there's an issue process. there, I think. Yeah. 
And I think a lack of urgency in craft is an interesting topic that I haven't really thought about a lot. Mm. It'd be interesting to develop that thought a bit. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there's some stuff that we can't talk about right now. Oh my God, that's a classic influencer chat. I know. Secret project. But can I just say that something has come up for us recently and that it, and I thought it would throw our routine off more than it would. And it's been completely fine. (laughs) I know. I'm so sorry. But you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Um, Love to hear about your sci-fi novel and how that process has been for you both. Yeah, well, I think we want to do a full episode on this one day, right? Oh, yeah, I would love to do a um, full episode on... on um, uh, Space, Space Story, Story 69. 69. Yeah, and it's not in any way smut-related. It's not. It's just, the, I think we thought we were being funny. We thought we were being hilarious. There's no, not a single sex There's scene There's a masturbation all. scene. Yeah, but you don't get to see anything graphic. Because it's from the perspective <laughs> of an AI, and the AI doesn't really think it's embarrassing. It's an incredible scene. So they're like... Oh, they, they see the guy masturbating. They're like, oh, I wish he was doing something embarrassing. All he's doing is masturbating. <laughs> Why does that guy get me? <laughs> <laughs> it's been so much fun. Uh, we're on a kind of slower part of this journey right now. I've been reading through it. I've got a big piece of paper, like a couple meters long piece of paper next to me right now, actually laid out on the table with all the different chapters. Uh, James has written more than me. I've probably only written maybe a quarter of what I a quarter of the book and I probably need to do an extra quarter. Yeah, so the book, book is three quarters done. Yes, yeah, so I need so to fill in the quarter. Like the beginning and the end are all there. It's yeah. just, there's a lot of middle stuff that Amy hasn't done yet because yeah. she was working on Jack, which is her third historical fiction novel. Yeah. Um, and she stepped back a little bit while I pushed through and I just did my scenes and I kind of just did placeholder scenes for yeah. Amy. I actually, Amy was a bit annoyed at me because I wrote control. a little bit of a few of her POVs. Um, Amy's going to come back through and fill it all out. It's been an amazing amazing experience you know amy and i have an incredible collaborative um, relationship we that, do which we have developed like, it didn't start like this like we developed it over many many years it kind of started i feel like i was thinking about this the other day you know we did uni together we were at uni at the same time we did a lot of the same courses like we would edit each other's essays yeah and even in high school we, we went to high school together we would even edit each other's high school essays yeah, like we've been collaborating for 14 years now yeah that's amazing and so it's just natural that any piece of writing either of us have done we've always collaborated on and now it's just a melding of the minds. It finally. is. I feel like we are at a point where there is a huge mind meld and the flow state that is shared is very cool. The thing I need to work on is I can get a bit mean to Amy because I just like, this is crap because it's how I would almost talk to myself, which is bad. Like I should work on we that get, Yeah, I think you get so close to the work that there's no filter. Yeah. And normally I'm fine, but I did cry that one time. Yeah, that's fair enough. That was fair enough. I was a bit rude. I just, I was overwhelmed. Um... Yeah, so it's been the, the most fun. Uh, the way we're describing it is Becky Chambers and Murderbot meets... What would be the meets? Maybe there's a little bit of it's, like... It's a bit of crime. Thursday Murder Club because yeah. it's a bit silly. Like yeah, it's, silly it's very crime. silly. Like it's a silly investigation. Or, did you say Murderbot? I said Murderbot, Becky Chambers yeah, and, and Thursday, Thursday Murder Club. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Um, I have too many ideas in mind, too many books I want to read. How can I prioritize? So today in the Inspired Collective Perfectionist uh, Masterclass, I spoke a lot about how when we get stuck making decisions, it's often a sign perfectionism is really at play. Uh, and when we don't know which one to pick, we don't know the project to pick, or we try and do like 17, <coughs> 17 things at once, you're excused, um, that we're in a mindset of, oh, there's a correct answer. And there is no correct answer for the project you need to pick. There is no correct answer of the book you need to read next. I know this is the worst answer ever, but you have to randomly pick one. Because there is no right answer. There's no way to prioritize anything here. You have to pick one. And notice the narratives that come up and the resistance that come up that comes up when you find that you can't. Because I think there's something way deeper than this and I just can't make a decision. Yeah. 
Totally. That's what I, I think. think. You, you nailed it. That is what I think. Um, really thrilling stuff. Great. I'm sorry, guys. Yeah. You can cut this out if you want, James. I'm I, just scrolling. There's so many it. questions. When's a lot? When did I last edit this podcast? Um, just lots of lovely people just saying thank you. We love the podcast. We, we are you. so grateful for you. I wish we were more consistent with the podcast. Like I know, like we have 150 episodes now, which I think Do is we? pretty That's cool. cool. We could have had like 500, and I know that would have come at a cost. Yeah. And it would have exhausted us in some ways, and it would have taken away from other things. So I think the balance is right. But I think, you know, we could have had like a banging pump in podcast. But as I've said before, does that bother me? Like, do I care about that? Not really. Yeah. Not really. How do I get over the feeling of self-indulgence? It's a big one for me. Yeah? Yeah. I felt, I always felt like art was so self-indulgent. Mm. And it was a story that I think is we're sold culturally that art's like, oh, you've got time. You've got time to paint a painting. That's nice, isn't it? Whereas, like, you know, we're creators, we're trying to take this seriously. And when it feels like it's just a nice to have it, we undermine how, how important this is. You know, the more time I spend in this space, the more time I spend in this world of teaching about art and um, consuming all the literature around how important art is, and um, the, more, the less I have this narrative because the more convinced I become of the importance of what we do. Yeah. And even for those of us who aren't publishing our art right now, who aren't putting our art out there in the world, we're still important parts of that puzzle. Mm. Like art is healing to communities. Art is healing to our minds and our body. Like art is so, so, so important. It is literally like it's more important than meditation and diet. And yes. okay, I don't want to say that necessarily. But... Let's just say some wild things, you know. Sorry. <laughs> to me, it is. Yes. To me personally. It and is, I think know? there's evidence that that's a very reasonable thing to say. Yeah. Like if I compare myself after not meditating for a week and not writing for a week, fuck, it's bad. Yeah. And as I was saying, like, there's a lot of research coming out now that just shows how important art is yeah. both to us and for the people around us as well. Like being in an artistic community, yeah. like, like they've done the studies. I mean, you've been, you know more, more about this than I me. Do. Those studies that, this information. You know, the studies about communities um, that have lost their art culture or have, lo have lost their, I mean, it's often disenfranchised communities, you know, or people who are being discriminated against what what goes first is what goes first is art what goes first is dance singing storytelling that's what happens when you start seeing a, a community um, break down and the way that we heal community is we bring the art back in and then we get connection and we get health and it, it's more important than some social services like from these studies it looks more important than some like very basic social services is just putting the art back in these communities yes and once again i don't want to make any sweeping claims i'm talking when i was talking before i was talking more about myself but as as we are learning as, as amy said art is not frivolous art is incredibly important it's a public health issue it's a public health issue yeah um and, and not just as a consumer, but as a maker, like for both things, like it's important that we make art, but it's also important that we, that we make it for ourselves and for, what yeah. am I saying? You know, it's both ways. Yeah. And I, you know, I know Sam Harris is a, con is a controversial figure. Um, I mainly consume him for his meditation content nowadays. And when he says in his meditation teaching is you're not meditating just for yourself. You're meditating for the people around you too. Oh my God. Yes. And I think that's so true with art as well. And, um, you know, it's made such a huge impact on my life. It's as far from trivial as something can be. People consume art every single day. Um, 
not only that, artists create immense value for the world as well. Like Economic value? Economic value. So in its basest form, it should even appease capitalism. The only reason that we don't value artists is because these big corporations take such a huge cut away yeah, from they artists. Yeah, the they capture so much wealth that it looks like we're poor. And but we, we should are. be fucking we, rich. We, if we were getting the actual rewards for what we were doing, we should be rich. Like these yeah. are industries generating tens or hundreds of billions of dollars across all industries a year. And artists are seeing a tiny fraction of that. Yeah. Yeah, we create wealth. We create health. Yeah. We create connection. Yeah. So important. Super important. Like we are the, the furthest thing from self-indulgent. And I'm so sorry that we've been sold this story. So from the basest capitalist to the most starry-eyed woo-woo, you know. Anarchist. Anarchist. It's important all across yeah. the spectrum. Yeah. How to navigate loss of motivation halfway through a project. How to not give up. I think this really um, looks at what we were talking about yesterday with Stephen Pressfield's The War on Art and the difference between... War of Art. Excuse me. (laughs) The difference between the amateur and the professional. Yeah. Would you like to take it? Yeah, I think so. I think the more we think that art is something that's only for the inspired, it's only for um, the special, it's only for the talented, the more these stories pervade us, the more likely we are to get stuck halfway through a project because it's really like, almost everyone finds the middle extremely hard. They call it the messy middle for a reason. And I think if we can come to it with an attitude of, I'm not necessarily meant to come to this inspired every day. Yes. I'm supposed to have a very sustainable, easy practice that I can just plug away at. Yeah. It doesn't have to be romantic. The more we can do that, the more we can treat ourselves as a professional and the way Stephen Pressfield conceptualizes of is is a professional being a professional is an attitude it's not whether you're making money or not yes it's the attitude that this is my work this is my life's work yes and i'm working at this and i'm taking it seriously and i might take extreme delight in it it might be amazing it might be incredibly important to me but it's still my life's work Mm. and i'm going to show up and it doesn't mean i'm grinding at it 12 hours a day it just means that i'm showing up for it regularly yeah as often as and that when it's hard you're still showing up for it it's yep. a mindset shift there. You know, there's nothing wrong with the middle being, you know, unattractive and the middle being unappetizing. Like that happens to everyone. But you're a professional artist. You take this so seriously. And so you show up. Even you might if have it to, sucks a bit. You might have to reduce how much you're expecting of yourself. Like maybe you mm. were doing, maybe if you're a writer, you were doing a thousand words a day. Maybe when you're uninspired, you're in the middle. Maybe you're only, you're only doing 250 maybe. Yeah, You're great. just getting through it. It doesn't matter. You're still getting through it. at a time. Yeah, I love that. Um. Tips for staying sane during the patient's trust period, which I think is a really beautiful question. Yeah. Because there's so, and I, again, I don't think there's one, unfortunately, I don't think there's one patience and trust period of our times, although the beginning is always going to be that harder, harder time to navigate. But we have to, this is practice that we need for our whole life. <coughs> um, for me, and this is really personal, I can imagine James has a different answer. For me, I like to cultivate hope. So I like to envision, I like to plan, I like to, in my journals, talk about what I want, where I'm going and how, you know, how it's going to feel. Like I like to look forward and I like to envision what it is that I'm creating, even if I'm not experiencing it yet, because that's the type of person that I am. I mean, it's funny, like I find myself, and just to be completely honest here, the longer I spend doing a job I love, the longer I spend away from a situation where I felt like I was searching for meaning, desperate to find something, the, the less I can remember it. Yeah. And I, I find it like the longer we go on this journey, I, I worry that I'm lo- losing my ability to talk to this sort of issue because 
I feel like I'm so delighted by my days now. Yeah. James, I think James is salve. Like, I mean, arguably, you know, James, no offense, but you're not published and you haven't gotten to that point maybe, but you're so obsessed. That won't work. You're so obsessed, sorry, computer issue, with the process that you don't even realize that you're waiting for anything. No, I don't. Like, I'm not, because I have the privilege to do that because money's taken care of. Yeah. Meaning's taken care of in my day to day. Like, uh, I'm not desperate for that breakthrough moment, which is a myth anyway. Yes. Um, the big break is a myth anyway. But I, I'm not desperate to build any extra life, uh, any, any more onto my life. Like, yeah. I'm really happy right now. And I think Amy worries. I think that I am never going to push because I'm so too happy in my day to day. Yeah. But I, I mean, I'm not super worried. I know eventually you will. You move slower than me. Yeah. You just move slower than me. Yeah. I know I'm, I do move really fast to my detriment a lot of the time. It's, it's like even when I upped my word count recently, it was because I felt something internally that wanted to do Of course. It. There's no telling you to do it's, fucking anything. It's very hard for me to be motivated extrinsically. And for the, the time in two minutes, it's because I'm extremely privileged. Like I don't have to worry. Like we don't have to worry yeah, about yeah. money so much at the moment. Like not saying we're extremely rich, but like our day-to-day needs are taken care of yeah. doing something that we enjoy doing. So um, it's not... It doesn't feel like survival mode or, or, yeah. or, or push mode. That, that being said, like, yes, I want my art to connect. I do. Yeah. But being process driven and it, loving my yeah. work makes it so easy to ride that out. And yeah. being able to create every day. I know that can be hard to hear if you're, you know, an actor maybe or if you're a musician who has to perform on stage and they don't have the opportunity mm. to. Um, of course, I know that there are ways to still be seen there. But for me as a writer, someone who can just turn up and type on my keyboard, I find it very hard to be impatient. Yeah. Which is so beautiful. Yeah. Although I, I obviously, as soon as I start submitting my work, I start to get impatient because I'm like, I want this over with. And, but I feel like the way that you solve it is you deeper into the work. Yeah, but then I don't submit as much as I should because I'm already back into the process of work. Yeah, an interesting problem. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So there are two answers there. One is the work and one is like a, a cultivation of hope and envisioning of what is coming. Um, you know, I'm extremely forward focused, which is, again has its benefits but also I really have to keep it in check so for me you know looking forward can really cultivate that sense of patience and hope but it can also like give me a sense of like agitation I have to be careful with it okay one last question I'm so sorry if we didn't get to your question guys I'm honestly there was such so many good ones I'm so grateful how do you balance your work and personal lives in a healthy way it's really hard for us at the moment I think yeah the other day I was like who the Fuck, like I haven't, I feel like even though I've not spent a minute apart from you, I literally haven't spent a minute with you. Yeah. Yeah. We keep, we, we keep coming back to this phrase, we need to connect, we need to connect, we need to connect. And it was this quick question about our relationship, do you think? Or do you think yeah, it's yeah. about generally having a oh, personal life know. and a work life? We can talk about both if you want. Yeah. Um, but for me and Amy and our relationship, it is, it has been hard because, yeah, we live together, we work together. We run the same business. Uh, we work on the, we work on each other's projects. We um, work from home. <laughs> we work from home. Um, it, it is it is genuinely a challenge. Like uh, it's nice to be able to see Amy every day. Yeah. Um, yeah. And also we collaborate like intensely. Yeah. yeah. It's been a very intense creative few months for us. Like yeah. super mind meldy. But at the same time, that's not like it doesn't. I still f- will miss him sometimes because i'm like we have not properly connected and then like we even take breaks at the same time like we'll go and sit and watch the tv at the same time like we'll go for a 
walk, we'll go for a run at the same time, we'll go to the gym at the same time, like we'll eat at the same time, but like we're kind of, or we'll do, a, we're both at the moment, we have separate jigsaw puzzles and we're doing them at the same time, but they're separate. Yeah. We're listening to our own audio books as we, as we do the jigsaw puzzles. And also James has been really unwell the last few weeks and so we haven't even been sleeping in the same bed. That's true, yeah. Amy, I decided it was too stressful to cough all night and maybe keep Amy up. So I moved myself downstairs. One of, my, been awesome. one of my toxic traits is that I really hate it when James coughs. And obviously it's super toxic trait of me because he has a literal chest infection now. There's something about it every single time he does it. Shenzo, like, I feel so angry. I can deal with it. It's okay. It's okay. Um, yes. And then in terms of work, like if it's a work-life balance thing, like how do we separate work and I life? don't. But yeah, I'm way better at this than Amy. Like I just have like an off switch and I have an internal gauge, which is just, you have done too much today. But it's not that. It's more that like my life is art and creativity and my life is you and my life is thinking of these ideas and my life is storytelling. And so like where work ends and I begin, there is no cutoff point. I mean, there has to be cutoff points in terms of like doing the physical work. And I really will like cut myself off. The really good way for me to reset is audiobook puzzle. So you just kind of like, it's like a reset button. Can I criticize you right now? Please. I mean, I you guess just I sound, just... You sound very chipper and I'm just sitting here wagging my finger at you, shaking my head going, do you know how many fucking times you've burned out in the last three years? No, but what do you mean? I mean, it's just like, you're like, I never, sw- it just sounds like you were like, I never switch off. Like my life is my work. My life is my work. I never, it's like, you need to get better at this. But I'm just saying that like my work isn't something I can separate from who I am. I know it isn't. And that's a problem. I, think. I don't think that's a problem. We had this huge argument on our walk the other day about this, basically, didn't we? And that's not. I'm read? not saying I should be hustling all the time. I'm just saying that, like, I when I'm like thinking and just as Amy, and I'm not working, I'm you know I'm still thinking about the things I of work course. on. Yeah, of course. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, but you still, you sh- you need to have better. I don't want to be didactic to you, but from someone who's observed you for 14 years now and seeing how much you can deck yourself, it's like I really do think you could get better. At of course, I could get better off. at like my, like how much when I pull back and stuff i'm just saying that like i don't switch off from these topics yes and i'm like maybe you should no because why would i because that's like what i enjoy to think about because rest is a discipline no that's not what it is it's not like rest like i love to think when i read my historical fiction (coughs) books i'm thinking about work or when i you know journal or like I thought you were going to say jerk off then I don't know why <laughs> the J came up but I was like what's she going to say no 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 millisecond I'm so sorry it really deteriorated it's a fight we're talking about jerking off <laughs> we have yeah, to end no, it okay okay. Um, it's been well, lovely talking to you guys Um, if you want to know more about that then maybe we'll do another episode about it Um, yeah, to, yeah I, I had a lot of fun I'm sorry about my cough I'm sorry if the sound is really messed up I don't know what I'm doing with these mics XOXO. Uh, I suspect the issue is going to be that the volume kind of changes a bit as we move it away from our face too much. Like we should be clipping these onto our lapels slash our collars, but we are... Uh, we're raw dogging it. We're raw dogging it. And I think that... James, shut up about the sound okay, I'm so and sorry. end the podcast. <laughs> okay. Thanks, everyone. Okay. Love you guys. Us. Bye. We love you. Bye.